0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Well, it's so good to be with you today, to come and visit you in your home and to be able to bring you the Word of God. I want to start with some very simple questions which you won't find it difficult to answer. In these last weeks, we've been considering Jesus. Now, let's consider this. Do you believe that Jesus is perfect, that in Him there is no sin, that there never has been any sin, even during his time here on earth. He lived in perfection. So do you believe that Jesus is perfect and always has been perfect because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And I'm sure that all of you who know him are saying, Yes, amen, that's what I believe. And of course, it's only because he was perfect when he was here on earth that he could offer to the Father a perfect sacrifice that would cover all our sin, all our failure, all our sicknesses, all our need, a perfect sacrifice that would overcome all the negative and destructive things that the devil wants to bring into people's lives. So, I'm sure that we're all agreed, Jesus is, always has been, and always will be perfect. Now, that means, of course, that there can be nothing imperfect in him, nothing sinful in him. So, what about this scripture that is going to come up on the screen now? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you first became a believer, when you were born again, When God made you one with Jesus, He actually placed you in Christ. Now, if there can be nothing imperfect or sinful in Christ, that means that God must have made you perfect, He must have made you sinless, before he puts you into Christ. Otherwise, Christ would be full of sinful, imperfect people. And that doesn't seem to make very much sense. Paul also says it is because of him, because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. There you see that scripture from 1 Corinthians. It is because of him, because of God, that you are in Christ Jesus. You may also know, of course, that the scripture says that you are seated with him in heavenly places. So let's think about heaven for a moment. Do you believe that there could be anything imperfect in heaven? When you finally go to be with God in his glory, you are not expecting any sin, any imperfection, any sickness, anything that is imperfect. And yet God sees you seated with Christ in heavenly places already. So how can that be unless... God sees you somehow made perfect. We know that in heaven, everything is holy. God, of course, is holy, and all the heavenly hosts are proclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And all the heavenly hosts that surround the throne, they are all holy. They are all made holy. There's nothing unholy in heaven. So if you're seated with Christ, he must have somehow made you sinless, somehow made you perfect, somehow made you holy, or it wouldn't be possible. You remember that Satan was originally Lucifer, leading the heavenly choirs in worship of God. But when he rebelled against God, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. As soon as there was anything imperfect in heaven, that was cast out immediately. So how can it be that you are seated with him in heavenly places? Because, you see, we can say these things that God must have made us blameless and perfect and holy. But you know yourself well enough to know that there are all kinds of things that go on in your life, the way you think, sometimes the things you say, and even, sadly, sometimes the things you do, which are certainly not holy, not perfect, and, sadly, are sometimes sinful. So how is it possible to say God has made us perfect, God has made us blameless, God has made us holy, and yet, we know that in our lives that seems to be such a contradiction to what we actually experience. So, first of all, we must face what we believe about the Word of God. Do we believe this Bible is the Word of God, that it is the truth, that what God says here, He has established as the truth for all eternity. We don't want to set our minds against the mind of God. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are greater than our ways. So we need to look into the Scriptures and to see what it is that they say or what God says there in His Word about these things. So, let's start with this idea that we are blameless. Now, that would mean that even though we may be guilty of certain things, even though we may have sinned, when God forgives us, he eradicates the sin so fully, so perfectly, that when he looks upon us, he doesn't see sin, He sees someone who is blameless, without blame, with no condemnation, not under any sense of judgment. Can that really be the case? Well, let's listen to what the Word of God says. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, Paul says this, "...for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless... In his sight. Now, Paul says that after that very well known verse that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So, how can we have every blessing in heavenly places unless we belong to heaven, unless God sees us seated with Christ in heaven, unless He sees us holy, perfect, blameless? Can this really be true? Well, this is what the Word of God says, that when he called you, when he chose you to be his child, he chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. And Paul is not talking about what will happen when you finally die and go to glory, when you actually go to heaven. No, no, no. He's talking about the life of the saints, of the, of the people of God, of the children of God here on earth. So God chose you to be holy and to be blameless. This is how he sees you. Now, you know, there are many ways in which great spiritual writers remind us that before God we are naked, that we can't hide anything from him, that he sees all, he knows all about us. That's not a threat if we understand the truth. Because although he knows everything about the sin and the failure, the scripture says that he chooses not to look upon sin, but he looks upon what his Son, Jesus, has accomplished for us through his blood. And this is where we have to really believe everything that Jesus has done, has already accomplished for us through the cross. You see, that perfect sacrifice, when we believe what Jesus has done for us, makes us sinless. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are made righteous, totally acceptable, holy in God's sight, because all the sin, all the failure, is washed away through that precious blood of Jesus. That blood cleanses us and purifies us, and it's that that has made it possible for us to be in Christ, to live at one with him so the wonderful thing is that god does not judge you god does not condemn you he sees you in his beloved son blameless look at this scripture for from 1 corinthians 1 verse 8 because What Paul is saying is God not only makes us blameless, he wants to keep us blameless. He wants to keep us in that place where even until Jesus comes again, there will be no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. Look what the scripture says. He will keep you firm to the end. He will do this so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that if Jesus was to come again today, God would see you blameless and you would be taken up to be with him for all eternity. That's how God wants to see you every day of your life so that even if Jesus was to suddenly come, you would be his. You would belong to God for all eternity. This is the wonder of our salvation. Now, listen to Paul praying in Philippians 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. You see, what I'm reminding you of is this knowledge and this depth of insight that we need into the Word of God, into what he has accomplished for us through Jesus. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's purpose for you. He doesn't want to condemn you or judge you. He never wants to put you down. He wants you to see that his forgiveness and his acceptance of you is so mighty, is so complete, that when he looks upon you, he doesn't see filth and failure. He sees the perfection, the blamelessness of Jesus. He sees you clothed with Christ. But we'll be talking more about that a little later on. Now, we have to understand something about ourselves. This truth about being blameless, holy, is certainly true of you spiritually. Now, the scripture says we have a spirit, which is the deepest, innermost part of your being. God is a spirit. And so all his communication to us personally is through our spirits. Before you were born again, you were spiritually dead. But what the Holy Spirit did when you were born again is he, he brought your spirit to life so that now you can know God and you can hear the voice of God, you can communicate with God, you can speak to him, and he can speak to you. Your soul life is your natural life, consisting of your mind, your ability to think, your emotions, the way you feel, and your will, the decisions that you're able to make. Now, you see, these truths that we've been talking about are truths about you in the Spirit. In the Spirit, God sees you blameless. In the Spirit, He sees you sinless. In the Spirit, He sees you made perfect, as we'll see in the Scripture in a moment. He sees you made righteous. He sees you made holy. He sees that you could never be any of those things through your own efforts, by trying to be what God wants you to be, but that is what God has gifted to you. Now, when did he gift all that? The very first minute that you believed. Those are all the truths of the first minute. it, It isn't that as you get more mature as a Christian, so then you become more blameless or you become more holy or you become more righteous. God gave you that perfect blamelessness, sinlessness, righteousness, and holiness right at the very beginning. But in your soul life, in your natural life, you don't see that perfection. Sometimes you do things that you really are to blame for. You've sinned, you've done something wrong, whatever. You know that you can have unholy thoughts, unholy attitudes towards others. You know that you can do things that are not right, that are not righteous. So this seems to be a complete contradiction. You are one thing in the spirit, but another thing in the soul. So what does God intend? Well, what he wants is the life of the Spirit to invade your soul. So when you look at yourself, which is not a good thing to do, let me tell you that. It's much better to look on Jesus and to see the truth, to look on yourself and see failure. But when you look at yourself, then you are conscious of the failure. You are conscious of all the imperfections in your life. But God doesn't want us living in that sort of negative world, in that negative attitude, in that negative way of thinking. He wants you to see yourself as He has made you. He wants you to submit that natural life you have in the soul to the perfect life that He's given you in the Spirit, so that more of that life in the Spirit will actually impact your soul. Now, of course, Paul, the great apostle, he understood this. So when he is talking to the Thessalonians, he says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May he make you holy, sanctified, holy through and through. You already have that holiness in your spirit. He wants that holiness to be in your soul, and even in your body, so that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. So, although he has sanctified you, there's a process of what is called sanctification, of making you holy, of you becoming more and more holy in your soul life, in your natural life, that is going on all the time. So Paul says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he can only keep you blameless if you're already blameless. You see, he's made you blameless. This is the spiritual truth about you. He's made you holy, made you righteous, made you perfect forever in his sight. And now he wants that holiness, that blamelessness to be reflected more and more in the person that you are. Now, you see, I call this the first minute because this is the truth about you when you were first born again. But it's the way to start the day. It's the way to start every time you, you pray or every time you worship the Lord. From what basis, if you like, from what ground are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you worshiping him as one who is unholy, ungodly, a sinful failure? One who belongs to the world? No, no, no. You are worshipping him as one whom he has called, whom he has chosen, whom he has accepted, who he has made blameless, who he has made holy, who he has made righteous, who he has made perfect forever. If that's how he thinks about you, that's how you need to think about you. Not in an unreal way to say, oh, well, I'm perfect, I can't do anything wrong, because you know that's not true in your soul life. But you know, this is who I am as I stand before God, washed, cleansed with the blood of Jesus, so that when I have fellowship with him, when I pray with him, I'm not praying from someone who is such a failure saying, God, will you please do something for me? But I have that confidence to come right before his throne with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, because I know, I believe what he has made me. Not through anything I've done, not through anything you've done, but only through the precious blood of Jesus. So when Paul is talking to the Romans and he's he's explaining to them the gospel of salvation. He says at the beginning of chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, through faith. You see, this is a matter of faith. Through faith, we have peace with God. Now, You're at peace with God when there's nothing to disturb that peace, to disrupt that peace, nothing to intervene in your unity with God, with Christ. So again, we praise him for the power of the precious blood that washes away, that cleanses us, that frees us from all of that. So... We have been justified through the faith that we have put in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. This is grace. It's only through the mercy and grace of God that you've been made blameless, only through the mercy and grace of God that you have been made righteous, God doesn't see you as a sinner, he sees you as a saint. It's only by the mercy and grace of God that you've been made holy. It would have to be by the grace of God that he sees you made perfect forever. We're coming to that. Now, we've been quoting what Paul says, but what about Jesus himself? Well, consider what Jesus said in chapter 5 of John, verse 24. Truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word, whoever, anybody who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? Eternal life is God's life, holy life blameless life, righteous life, perfect life. There's nothing imperfect in God's life, in God's eternal life, we've already agreed that. So Jesus says, anyone who believes in him has this gift of eternal life, the gift of God's kingdom. Jesus said to the disciples, Fear not, little flock, your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. So Jesus says, Anyone who believes in me and the Father who sent me has eternal life. He will not be judged, he will not be condemned, but has already passed from death to life. From the death we deserve as sinners, to the life that we have in Christ, the life that we have with God. Are you believing Jesus? Are you believing what the Word of God says about you? Are you beginning to see yourself as He sees you? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians, verse 1, right at the beginning. Now. Paul is writing this letter to a church which has so many problems, I think any denomination today would want to kick it out. There was all kinds of ungodly things going on in that church. And Paul is responding to a letter that had been written to him from the elders saying, what are we to do about all these various problems? But before he tackles the problems, Paul reminds those Corinthians of the truth. He addresses the letter in chapter 1, verse 2 to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Those who are made holy. It's as if God is saying to the church in Corinth, What are you doing? Are you crazy? Why are you doing this and this? Why is there division amongst you? Why is there immorality going on that's uh, uncorrected? Why are these all these problems when God has sanctified you, made you holy in your spirit, and called you to be holy in your natural life, your soul life, because you want his holiness to be reflected in your life, not your own will, but God's will. So you see, Paul is saying this to a church that is full of problems, but he's not only addressing the church in Corinth, he's addressing you. He's addressing Kingdom Faith Church. He's addressing every church because look what he says, together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. You see, this is a truth for the church everywhere. God must have a holy church that will impact the world with the gospel in a far more powerful way than we see happening at present. Praise God for all that he is doing, but God wants to do so much more. And I believe the present circumstances are going to give way to a mighty move of the Spirit, and I'm longing to see that unfold more and more. I believe already we're seeing an increase in the way the Spirit of God is moving in so many believers' lives, but there's going to be so much greater things happening in the the months and years ahead. Colossians 1, verse 22. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, by that sacrifice He made for you on the cross, through death, to present you holy, In his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. You see, again, this is a matter of faith. Are you going to believe what God says about you, or are you going to believe the way you feel about yourself? Are are you going to believe? that when you fail, that's the truth, or are you going to believe that what God says is the truth? Now, when you fail is a fact, something that you've done, you may have sinned, you may have failed in some other way, but the truth of God is unchanging. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never needs to revoke any of his words. He never needs to take any of his words back. He never needs to say, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, if only. No, God is bringing our lives more and more in line with his word. So, in the first letter of John, Chapter 2, verse 20, he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Why? Because this is the gospel. What I'm I'm telling you this morning is the gospel. This is the gospel that the apostles preached. They didn't just say, you know, raise your hand if you want Jesus in your life. It was (laughs) much deeper than that. They were were bringing the revelation into people's lives. This is what God wants to make you. The old has gone. The new has come. He wants you to be a new creation. Then he wants you to live as a new creation. And in the letter to Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 14, we read this. For by one sacrifice he has Made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, the tenses of verbs in Scripture are very, very important because the tenses of the verbs tell us what God has done, what he's doing now, and what he promises he will do in the future. But this is past tense, isn't it? It's historic. He has made perfect forever those who are being sanctified, those who are being made holy, those in whom God is working to make them more and more like Jesus. So, I've said it several times during the course of, of what I've been saying, that he has made you perfect. You've got to believe that. Now, that is not to say, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, every time God cleanses us, he restores us to perfection. You see, what you need to understand is this. Right from the very first minute that you were saved, God made you perfect. God made you holy. God made you righteous. God made you blameless. That is all the fruit of the sacrifice that he made for you on the cross. That is what being cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus has done. So this blood that was shed on Calvary is God's great gift to you along with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, if we are to live this life in the Spirit that God has given us as a gift right at the very beginning of your Christian experience, there's no way that we, in our own strength and by our own abilities, can cause all that to transform our natural lives that we live every day. That's why God gives us the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, his own spirit, God's spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is God. In the Holy Spirit, there is nothing unholy. There is nothing imperfect. There is no sin. There is nothing unrighteous. So God has done what really looks like a pretty dangerous thing, He makes us holy in His sight so that now the Spirit of holiness can come into our bodies. They become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Into our lives. Hmm. What is happening? Well, listen. Jesus came from the perfection of heaven into the imperfection of the world. Now, the imperfection of the world did not make him imperfect, but he began to make perfect what was imperfect in the sight of God. And just as Jesus came into the imperfection of the world, so the Holy Spirit has come into one who is made perfect, but he's come into the imperfection of your soul life. Just as Jesus came into the world, so the Holy Spirit has come into your heart, into your life, knowing that in your soul life you do not reveal completely that perfect life of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is able to transform you into his likeness, one degree of glory to another. He is able to make more and more of those truths of the Spirit a reality in your soul life. And that's what we need to understand. How can the Holy Spirit so work within me that more of that blamelessness, more of that holiness, more of that righteousness, more of that perfection is actually revealed in the person that I am, the person God wants me to be, in the things I say and the things I do, how can all that happen? Well, there's not time for me to really answer that question in a full or meaningful way now. But next week, I'm going to be speaking again. And that is what I'm going to show you how, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, much more of that transformation can take place in your life. But first of all, two things are essential. That you believe what God says about you, all these truths of the first minute. Because if you don't believe that, you're setting up your mind and your understanding against the revelation of truth that God has given us in his word. And that's not a clever thing to do, because that's saying, well, I know better than God. And that's not true for anybody. So we need to believe that. But secondly, we need to want what God wants for us. That he wants more of that life to be reproduced in our lives. Why? Because not as an end in itself. Although God is concerned for you as a person, he wants to see that life of the Spirit radiating out of your life. He wants you actually shining with the glory of God. But he knows this, that you will be more effective in your witness. You will have a greater impact on the life of others that God will be able to use you more and more effectively while you're in the world, the more the truths of that first minute are reflected in your life now. In other words, more of the Spirit in your soul life and therefore radiating out of your body. That the more you live in the good of those truths, the more God can use you, the greater fruit there will be in your life. That's what this is all about because you will never be fruitful by trying to be fruitful but only by allowing the life of God within you to be expressed through you so that rivers of living water will pour out of you. And what I've really been talking about is that river of living water that God has put within you, the river that flows from the very throne of God the river in which there is only holiness, perfection, no sin, no unrighteousness. And I'm going to show you how the Scripture teaches us how we can clothe ourselves with Christ so we're no longer naked before Him, but He sees us as He wants to see us in Christ Jesus made holy and perfect forever. So just join me in praying now. Just close your eyes wherever you are. If you want to just humble yourself before God, to kneel or lie before him, do that, but that just has to be your personal response. You can stand, you can sit so long as now you engage your heart with the heart of Jesus. And first of all, I want you to thank the Lord. Say, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for me in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that when he came from the glory and the perfection of heaven, into this dark and sinful world, when he came and brought the light of your truth. He came for me. Yes, say that to him. Thank you, Lord. He came for me. He died for me. He gave that sinless life to make me sinless. He gave a life in which there was no blame to make me blameless. He gave his righteous life to make me righteous, totally acceptable in your sight. He gave his holy life. Through the cleansing of your blood, I might be made holy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to accomplish all that for me. And thank Him now for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'll be talking much more about Him next week. But thank Him for that gift. Thank You, Lord, that when I was born again, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, Your Spirit came to live in me. The perfect, holy, righteous, sinless, Spirit of God, to indwell my body, my soul. Just as Jesus came into the sinful darkness of the world, so I thank you that your Holy Spirit has come into my life, which sadly does not yet reflect the holiness and perfection of Jesus in every way. but I thank you for that precious gift. Now, I want you to do something that's very, very important. I'm sure many of you have done this in the past, but reaffirm it today and say, Father, I surrender afresh my life to you. I want to live in the good of all those truths the first minute, I want those truths to be impacting my soul life, my natural life, my daily life more and more, to be transformed more into your likeness, to become more and more like Jesus so that I can be more effective in the world, in my witness, in my relationships, in the way my life touches other people's lives, even during this period of social upheaval, that, Lord, your life would pour out of my life like a river of living water. I want that, Lord. I really desire that because this is your will for me and for every believer on the face of the earth. Thank you that you never have a lesser purpose for any Christian than this purpose to become increasingly more like Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that as I surrender myself afresh today, as I believe every day this week that I can begin from the starting point, not that I'm a miserable failure that needs to be more spiritual, but you have made me blameless, accepted, holy, righteous, perfect, And Lord, I thank you that as I live each day and at any point realize that those great truths are not being reflected at that moment in the things I say or do, immediately I believe your Spirit will convict me, will will just make me feel well bad just for a moment, saying, hey, that's not who you really are. And thank you, Lord, that I can immediately at that moment say, Lord, forgive me. And you will restore me again to that place that you've made possible for me through Jesus. I don't have to wait till my next prayer time, but you will forgive me there and then You will restore me there and then." Now just thank the Lord for that wonderful love of His. And as you communicate the Gospel to others, communicate the Gospel, not just some little pale reflection of the Gospel, but just how mighty and wonderful the transformation that God wants to bring into the lives of others, as well as you. Amen. And the Lord bless you and use you for his glory throughout this week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.